You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You are listening to episode 55 of the God Center Mom podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Jeannie Cunyon. And I first heard about Jeannie through Courtney DeFeo, who was on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, and then I listened to Jeannie's interview with Kat on the Inspired to Action podcast. And I'm telling you, if y'all, after you listen to this episode, or if you want to pause now and go listen to Kat's, it's great. I was listening while I was grocery shopping, because that's what I do. And I kind of want to just like leave the cart where it was, go home, go sit on the couch, have a moment with God and just sit and think about the things she said in that interview. Jeannie gets grace and she talks about it in a way unlike any other person I've heard. I feel like this community that's growing of God-centered moms, I've, I've met you, I've written back and forth with you via email. And I think a lot of us struggle with perfectionism. We want to get it right so, so bad. But in the meantime, it's causing us to be angry with our kids. We're frustrated. We're anxious. And she is going to help free us from those things. And even more so in today's interview, I wanted to focus on what does it look like in the day-to-day? I know I should give grace to myself and to my kids, but what is the reality of that? And she's going to give us a few tips on how to make that happen. So let's get right to it. All right. Here we go. Hey, Jeannie, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather, thanks for having me. Oh, my stars. Okay, so I heard you talk <laughs> with Kat, and I was in the grocery store, and it was like every word you were saying just kept hitting me, like right in the middle of my heart. And I, I thought, okay, I know Kat interviewed her, but I want to interview her too. And I just, oh, I just, ah, uh, like. I've read Grace-Based Parenting. I've read Give Them Grace, and they're both good books, but I felt like the way you were phrasing things hit me in a whole new way. So I'm excited to get to chat about Grace and boys because tell tell everyone about your family before we get started. Okay. Well, I have uh, three boys. My oldest son is Cal and he's 10. And then I have Brennan who is seven and I have Owen who is five. So, um, this is actually my first year with all three of my kids in elementary school, which was, uh, a shock, <laughs> total shock to have them all in school full time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's awesome. They're, um, they are all boy. I mean, all boy it's, Every morning is a challenge to get them to put on socks and shoes because they don't want to stop wrestling on the floor and throwing footballs through the kitchen. So um, I have three boys who are all boy. Yeah. We live in Old Greenwich, Connecticut, and my husband's name is Mike. And um, 
Yeah, it's just awesome to be with you today. I'm really excited to be talking with you. Well, um, so if y'all don't know, Jeannie has written a book called Parenting the Wholehearted Child, and we'll talk about that some, but um, the, the, the purpose behind this book really is is grace, right? I mean, is, it tell, is. tell everyone, what was, your, what was your thought behind this book and just the goal you have if, for moms? What do you want them to know? Yeah, you know, I um, I never intended on writing this book. It was not part of my plan. I am an adoption social worker by training, mm-hmm. and I love um, adoption. And uh, I spent my really my professional life doing parenting and adoption counseling and training. And so this was all uh, still is feels all very new to me, and I'm still kind of navigating it as I go. But this book really came out of a place of my own wrestling with perfection mm-hmm. and being a mom and having these high hopes and dreams and expectations of what motherhood would look like and how I would be able to pull motherhood off. I was raised in an incredible home. I'm a preacher's kid and my parents gave me this really beautiful example of uh, being raised to know and love Jesus. And so I just kind of felt like I had a, a strong foundation to start from. And what I realized really quickly was that I, um, I was falling apart. Mm. Motherhood was making me come undone. Yeah. Um, and I was so, I was so determined to do it well and to do it perfectly. Honestly, mm. uh, I know that's an overused word, but that's, that really was my goal. I wanted to be this perfect mom and I wanted to raise these perfect kids. And, and my, um, my desire I think was good. It's just the way it, it played out and, uh, the, the pressure that I was putting on myself and my own kids was just creating a very different reality than what I always dreamed it would look like. And so, uh, I basically was begging God, like, Lord, I, I, I want to do this differently. And I want to give my kids a different kind of life and home life and, and understanding of you. Uh, and it was in that crying out and in that repentance and in my awareness of all of my weakness and brokenness and sin that, God began me, God began taking me on this journey. Um, and, and what he, what I realized, what my eyes were open to Heather is that I had never really accepted God's grace in my life. Mm. Um, I had accepted, uh, salvation. He was my Lord and savior from the time I was eight years old, but I had pretty much spent my entire life trying to please him through my behavior Mm. and trying to please him through the way I was living my life. And, Sadly, that, you know, just became a natural then overflow into my parenting, right? Yeah. Um, So how did that, like, when you say, you know, your goal to be perfect and have perfect kids, for you, how did that manifest? And I know for me, because that was my story too, like this uh, approval-driven mothering is is that I wanted not only God, but really everyone around me to know that I was yeah. a good mom, whether in my activities and how my kids behaved and boys, hello, do not behave yeah. no matter what you tell them. You <laughs> especially can be- not, especially not in public. <laughs> no, heavens to Betsy, no. And so it, what it pulled out of me was more anger and frustration and anxiety and control and love was gone. Like, Unconditional love was gone because I needed them to behave. I needed them to be good because we had to do this right, you know. Not make my life hard. Yeah, and and I don't, and so I don't know if that was what how it manifested in you. Um, oh, it did absolutely. I mean, I I think back and I 
when I look at my earlier days of parenting, I realized that I was, I was so busy trying to perfect it mm. that I wasn't able to enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, like the joy was gone. It was all about how I was going to get it right and they were going to get it right. Yeah. Uh, no matter what. Yeah. And yeah, so it was, you know, there was yelling. I was angry. I was, um, I was, I would get very down like at mm. night when I would put the kids down yes. to bed and my husband would come home and find me curled up on the couch, you know, having a, another pity party. And, mm. and he would try to encourage me, you know, like, Gina, you're a great mom. You love them so much. And he would give me so, so much encouragement, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't, those words were kind and loving and, but they weren't, they weren't satisfying to the very real shame that I was holding on to for the way I was parenting them. And it was, you know, only by the grace of God that, um, all of that, all of that shame is now gone because I, I am no longer trying to, um, achieve perfection. I am now literally allowing myself to identify myself in the perfection of Christ. So I, I so much identify with what you said, because it was about how do we look to other people? Mm -hmm. But I also really wrestled with how do I look to God? I was Mm -hmm. so caught up in pleasing him, Mm -hmm. um, through the way I was parenting my kids. You know, when, when my oldest was born, I, I know a lot of families do this, you know, you have like a, a life verse or a vision statement for your family. And, um, ours was Matthew 22, you know, love the Lord God, the, the greatest commandment, right? Love yeah. the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, um, I was, I was really parenting out of that law, which is good and perfect and wonderful. And it should be our ultimate, you know, purpose and goal with our kids. But I was living purely according to the law of God, which essentially tells us what to do. Yeah, And I wasn't living at all by the grace of God, Mm -hmm. which tells us what Jesus has already done. Mm -hmm. And that was the radical transformation for me Mm -hmm. was being able to make my starting place, uh, what Jesus has already done for me to stop trying to be for God, what Jesus has already been for me. Like I, almost, yeah. I actually have to like remind myself of that on a daily basis. Yeah. Like, you, know, you, you do not have to be for God what Jesus has already done for you. And, and when I let that melt me and, and mold me, then I do see myself growing into the person and the mom that I want to become. Um, but it's when I'm striving and trying and working, um, that's when, that's when I come undone. And that's when our kids come undone. It's, it's so amazing the way, the way we live our lives just kind of flows out of us and into the way we, we parent. You know, it's interesting. I was, I was reading, I'm doing the, um, greatest gift and boss camp advent book is like yeah, a little, too. a little thing, like the one just for the parents, not the kids one. Yeah. Just I'm for doing, me. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And the one about the 10 commandments. Was that today or yesterday? Um, Where she's talking about God gave us the law because of his love. And then not only that, he gave us the fulfillment to the law through his son because he loved us. Like he gave us rules because he loved us so much and he didn't want us to go off and be with other things and have other gods or, and he wanted us to love each other from that same love. It was all love that the law was based on. And then he's like, you know what? You guys can't even keep it. So I'm going to send someone who can keep it because I love you so much. (laughs) Like it's, it's amazing to me. I think, yeah, you're right. We don't really grasp that those rules are there, but they've already been fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. And, um, and And accepting that radically changes everything. And yeah. So, so then I think, okay, 
what like it sounds all the all the words sound good so in my day-to-day and I'm going to give an example that just happened today so today I moved my interview with you Jeannie right so that I could be at this thing for my son um, at school and I knew it was going to be tight I had to take my two-year-old to his little whatever he's very extroverted he likes it it's a little preschool right and I knew it was going to be tight cutting across town to get to my son's little performance. And I told his teacher, if you could please make him last, that would be great because I'm going to barely make it in time. I am about to turn into the school and a friend texts me a picture of my son in front of the group. And I walk down the hallway just as he's finishing. And, you know, mm. I don't see that the positives of my husband was there. I see the negatives of my husband didn't video it which I'm glad he enjoyed it. He said, oh, I'm sorry to even think to you. I was just trying to enjoy the moment. Well, thank goodness, you know, he wasn't right. on his phone. I I don't see that, you know, at least my son wants me to be there or that I, I tried. I am beating myself up that I missed it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and if we're going to give our kids grace, how do we as parents give ourselves grace that we – we do our best and sometimes we fall short. And this is just a silly example of not yeah. being at a thing. But, you know, yeah, but what do you think? It's a silly example, but the guilt can can run deep, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we can, I think um, a couple of things happen, I think, at least for me. So much of my identity was wrapped up in the kind of mom I was. Yeah. Um, I wasn't first and foremost, in, the, in Brennan Manning's words, a radically accepted and beloved child of God, mm, right? That, yeah. that wasn't my core. My core was being a really good mom, raising really good kids that Jesus would be proud of. Right. Um, and so, so much of our identity can get wrapped up in who we are as moms. So when we make little mistakes like that, if that's your whole identity, that really actually can put you in a, in a downward spiral. Mm, Um, you know, and, and also I think there's this lie that parents, uh, buy into, which is, you know, what we get right and what we get wrong is ultimately going to determine who our children become. Mm. And so I knew, I know that I was living from that place. I felt so much pressure, even when they were little, like, you know, you got to get it right, right out of the gate. You know, um, and I, I carried around so much pressure like that. Just, I can just like almost visually see like the burdens, like the heaviness on my shoulders of Mm -hmm. trying so hard because I want so much for them. Again, I I think sometimes these desires come from a good place. Like I, I want my boys to have this incredible life. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to have a strong foundation. And, and yet I was believing that all of that was on my shoulders. Mm. You know, I, I wasn't believing that God's grace is bigger than my mistakes. I wasn't, I wasn't believing that God can use even my weakness to reveal his power. I mean, I think that's been one of the most powerful verses, um, that has radically changed my parenting is, you know, his grace is enough. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And so, you know, for somebody, it might sound silly, but, you know, I had a similar experience to you at the end of the school year last year where I completely forgot my middle son, Brennan, his, his end of the year school party, like Mm. forgot it. Um, 
you know, I had it on my to-do list and I ran into a friend at the coffee shop and poof. And it's so funny how similar it is to your story. Cause a friend texts me a picture of him reading, um, his story in his classroom. Mm. Like Brenda's doing a great job. Where are you? Mm. And I like started running down the street to my son's school and ran in the doors and, and caught the very end of it. But, oh my gosh, my heart was so heavy mm-hmm. with, um, cause I saw his face like, mom, where were you? And I sat down next to him and I said, buddy, I am so sorry. And these things are so important to me and I love you so much. And sometimes mommy is going to just make silly mistakes and I'm so sorry. But even though I wasn't here for you, Jesus will never forget these things. He is always with you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I try to find these moments that I can at least point them back to Jesus when yeah. I mess up. And so, and it was, it, honestly, it was very freeing for me because you know what, that is the truth. Yeah. Like I am going to mess up and I might show up a couple minutes or, you know, I might show up with only a couple minutes left in your play, but aren't you so thankful that Jesus is always with you and he mm. never gets these, these things wrong. And I think, I really do believe that our kids have to be reminded of the good news every day. Yeah. I know I do. Yes. I really, we all have to be reminded of the good news every single day. And so it's even in those moments where we show up late or forget something where we can constantly be thinking about how can I point you back to the good news of your savior, who is also your best friend, mm. who's never going to let you down, even though I will. Yeah. I think and it's very, it's very freeing, you know, because it takes, it takes so much pressure off, you know? Well, do you think that maybe in our 2014 time that the pressure we feel too is a little external too, that we're supposed to be constantly with our children and constantly at everything and always supporting everything. Because I was even watching like a little clip from Unbroken. Have you seen that little like promo video? I haven't, but I'm so eager to see it. Okay. Well, it's um, the guy that's in it, Louis, oh my, I can't say his name, but the guy's talking about his childhood and he's saying, oh, I was such a troublemaker and I was always running away from the cops. And I'm thinking like, where were his parents? But that was just the thing. Like, you're just running around. You're doing your own thing. You were your own person. And, like, yeah. God used him in amazing ways. Like, I think we forget sometimes that, that our children are their own people. Absolutely. And, th- and that they are having their own journey and that God has put in them all their own skills. So today when I missed it, one of the moms who has older kids, her wisdom to me was sometimes we need to not be there. And let them spread their wings. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Like, he has been gifted. They were saying how wonderful he did. And they couldn't believe how awesome he did. And even this mom, her son was one of the people that presented. She's like, he just did it in a different way. It was captivating. And I thought, if I'd been there, maybe they would have thought I was that stage mom <laughs> who like right. had practiced and practiced and like made him do it just right when I had never heard him do it before. And so I think that there is this element in grace that we let our children have that relationship with God that is not just us mediating. Like you know? we, have to get out, we have to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. You know, I get in the way a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like Tim Keller talks about, you know, an idol is basically anything that we love more than God, which is pretty convicting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we turn our kids, our kids become our idols. Yeah. Um, you know, this, our desire is so intense and we, our love for them is so 
uh, mind blowing, honestly, that uh, sometimes, you know, they can become idols in our life. Like, you know, perfection was an idol in my life, but, um, yeah, I think sometimes we just have to get out of the way. You know, we, um, what's the verse Hebrews, is it 12, two or two twelve, where it says, um, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of their faith. Um, and I have to remember that like he, he's the author and the perfecter. It doesn't say like, keep your eyes on Jesus and then make sure you you (laughs) create, create and perfect your child's faith. Mm. And because I was raised in a Christian home and I am madly in love with Jesus, I want my kids to know what it feels like to be in a relationship and a friendship to be known and to know Jesus Christ. I want that for them so much, but in wanting that, I think sometimes I can, I can get in the way. Yeah. Um, and I have to remember that Jesus wants that with them even more than I want that for them. And so I have to let him be the author of their faith. I have to, not that I have the ability to let him, but I have to get out of the way, yeah. you know, because he is the author, he is the perfecter. And, um, he's just, you know, he's, he has loaned them to me for a short time just to point them back to him. Well, and okay, so we talked about our mistakes and our desire to be perfect. And then with boys, yeah, I don't yeah. know about you said yours are all boy, but um, I get a lot of opportunity, opportunity being the keyword, to <laughs> like um, offer them grace, but also direct their behavior. And there's the training element too, right? Yeah. And especially for the little ones who haven't maybe even accepted Christ, so they don't even have the Holy Spirit in them. They're not, they're not the saints of a sanctification process hasn't even begun for them really because they they aren't saved um what does it in the day-to-day look like let's say uh you have a son and he uh oh my goodness we've got lots of examples okay so he he hits his brother and that brother hits him back and then it escalates and their stupid head is called out or you know then harsh words and angry words and and it's escalated right okay now, some people would say, well, you're supposed to show grace. And, right. and I know you're saying, well, grace doesn't mean no boundaries. But what does that right. look like in our day-to-day? Like, how do we point them to Jesus? How do we get out of the way? Or how do we show grace in yeah. those day-to-day, you know, squabbles? Oh, I think there's so much good stuff in your question. Um, I think we have to start by uh, acknowledging the fact that that grace um, – I think there's some real misconceptions about what grace is, grace and parenting. Grace yeah. and parenting doesn't mean like – I love you. It's okay. Let's hug. A free for all. Um, a free for all. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not a uh, free pass to sin. It's, um, you know, I hear this expression, like, how do I balance grace and discipline? I get mm. that question a lot. And as far as I understand it, this isn't, it's not a balancing act. Yeah. Um, it's how do we weave grace into discipline? That's the question because if we want to lead and love our kids the way our heavenly father leads and loves us, then there, then there are boundaries and um, there's training and instruction and discipline and consequences. You know, the Lord disciplines those he loves and helping my kids understand that my, my training and instruction and discipline comes from this deep well of love for them. You know, as your mom, it is my job to train and instruct you to raise you to be um, a godly, strong, brave, courageous, kind man. And so everything I'm going to do is going to be out of this, out of this place of love. And, you know, biblical, you know, parenting is very much including how do we train and instruct? How do we establish our authority? How do we require obedience? And I talk about all of that in the book, how the question is, how do we weave grace 
into that. It's mm-hmm. not balancing it. It's just how do I leave this message of unconditional love? How in that moment that you just described where my boys are hitting each other and name calling and you know falling apart, how do I approach that situation with the message of there is nothing you can do to make me love you less and there is nothing you can do to make me love you more? Mm-hmm. And out of that place, this is what's going to go down. Mm. Um, I talk about, uh, I think about honestly, this idea of putting the cross between us, like mm-hmm. as I am approaching them, if I can just see the cross, if I can just see Jesus, it changes the way I react to them. Because if I don't go into that situation from a place of grace, then I end up disciplining them from a place of shame. Mm. And, and, you know, shame is, you know, there's, Jesus doesn't use shame with us. And so if I want to reflect the heart of Christ in the way I instruct and discipline, then I have to remove all of the shame, all of the condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. However, and I might've talked about this with Kat, but it's been so powerful for me is understanding that just because there's no vertical condemnation from Jesus doesn't mean that there are horizontal consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God he doesn't dole those out in direct proportion, right? This yeah. isn't a, you know, what goes around comes around, but consequences, you know, teach us right from wrong and yeah. help us do things differently next time. And so, well, and when they leave our home, right? Like I always tell it, the boys, like there are consequences in life. You speed, you're yeah. going to get a ticket. Exactly. You steal something, you'll go to jail. Like this is just right. how the world works. Yeah. But to teach you that, I don't have to incorporate shame into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. because I think for so long, I felt so much shame you know, shame poured out of me and into my parenting where I would say things in a situation like that, like, who does that? Or how could you do that? Yeah. You Why know, would you words. even think to do that? It's, you know, or more of like I a, may have said that what before. kind of person does that? Yeah. What kind you of, know, yeah. or, or who does that? You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it's a long story, but I could share it with you. My, my gorgeous oldest son basically said, I guess someone like me. And if mm. I tell the story, I'll start crying, but it ripped mm. my heart out. Mm. And, and I had to be like, actually, somebody like mommy does that too. We are mm. all sinners saved by grace mm. in need of Jesus Christ on an hourly, minute by minute basis. Um, you know, so in those situations, I just try to approach them. You know, I mean, it's just the reality of a situation, right? Like, okay, except, you know, I try to let them work things out. Um, mm. You know, we talk a lot about um, treat others the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Um, and there's like in the book, I talk about the what, why, how, and now discipline. And so a situation like that is where I would implement that. What just happened? That's the question I ask. What, what just went down? Mm-hmm. And I let them each tell me in their sentences that have to start with I, they can't tell their brother's story. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why, the why, why did that happen? Um, and this is the part where we get to talk about, well, at the end of the day, we're all fallen and broken. And so, uh, you know, we tend to put ourselves before somebody else. And so, um, so that's the why part. And then how is the, how could you have done that differently? Mm. If we're going to treat each other, how we want to be treated, then how could you have handled that situation differently, both in your physical reaction, but also in your words. And then the now is either the consequence or the mercy moment. Mm. And so, um, you know, a lot of times you can tell as it's amazing the way when you approach them with grace in that way, it's amazing what the Holy Spirit will do in a situation like that and kind of working, they work it out on their own. They're yeah. asking, they have to ask and answer hard questions in that. And, and you can see the sorrow or you can see the repentance come just from being able to verbalize and articulate the way they have offended their brother or the way they let their sin win in that situation. Well, so sometimes, thinking, well, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. You were said something. Uh, so sometimes, you know, the consequences, like sometimes there isn't a consequence. It's I show mercy, you know, mm-hmm. the mercies of God are new every morning. And so, all right, this situation has been solved. 
onward. You have, you have sought forgiveness. You have apologized onward, do over, get out of here. Right. <laughs> well, and, and even with the question, like, how would you do it differently? I've heard it, um, Scott Transky say, um, what are you going to do next time? You know, kind of like a second opportunity, you know? Yeah. 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 This is going to, ha- this is going to come up again. What are you going to do then? Uh, yeah. But I'm thinking and like, and sometimes I make them role play it and that's yeah, really effective. That's you know, they kind of act it out so that they are kind of better equipped to, uh, to handle it differently the next time. And they may or may not handle it differently the next time. It's these things happen hourly in our house, you know? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or every 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, and I think the key though, you say that, you know, that you, the Holy Spirit moves and you can see a tenderness. I think that when we come in with the shame, we we could use the same questions: how, why, what, why, how, and now, and yeah. have a shaming tone or an angry tone or a harsh Absolutely. tone, and yeah. that is gonna squelch any Holy Spirit moving. Don't you feel like like the times when I come in like that, their attitude back is not repentant. It is not um teachable. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard hearted and and defensive. Anytime there's anger, fear, or shame mm. uh, that's involved in our parenting, it, because all of those things are the antithesis of grace, right? Yeah. So, like the Bible says, it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm. That's a huge verse for me to remember when I'm disciplining my kids. It's it's not the anger of God. It's not the wrath of God. It is the kindness of my Lord Jesus Christ that moves me to repentance. Mm, so, so how do I weave that into that and, and fear? I mean, it can be, look, I, I still fall prey to it. I'll be like, you know, if you don't stop, you're going to lose everything that you've ever loved. All the forever. threats. All you know? the threats, like, yes. The empty threats, you know, and, or the, just the, you know, the, just reacting and like trying to fear them out of the behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, and look, we all fall for it. It's, it's stressful. You're day in and day out. We, I make mistakes daily, but you know, I can almost laugh at it now where I'll say something like that. And the boys will look at me. I'm like, okay, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't hold keep that one up. Right. But yeah, but I yeah. think back to your point, um, it's really important because making our kids feel bad won't make them want to be good. That's yeah. what I have to always remember. Like, that's the shame thing. Like making you feel bad here is only going to lead you deeper into despair. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's being loved at our worst. That's what makes our hard hearts soft. You know, I think obedience is a kind of a thing that Christians, we sometimes, um, they need to obey right away, all the way, a happy way. And so I remember as a young mom, that was like, (laughs) (laughs) that was like so hard for me to let that go because it seemed like, well, if they don't obey, then they're not following the Bible. But a lot of the things I was asking them to obey were not, um, biblical commandments. They were just for my convenience and comfort. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the and my, you think about in your own life, how often do you obey all the way, right away, perfectly every yeah, day? Like no. it's this it's this crazy high expectation of instead of being, you know, being willing to have some conversations, I guess. But so how does how does a young mom who hears that you need to teach your kids to obey all the way? How would she approach? Okay, I ask my child to do something and they don't do it. Then what? You know, right? Yeah. So. You know, there's a there's some strong opinions on this. I write about this in the book about how much obedience do we expect, and then how quickly do we expect it. Mm. Um, and I I call it the R and R principle, which is um, I expect them to be respectful, and I try to be reasonable. So it's respectful and reasonable. Um, and so I've taught my kids whenever I ask them something, I I want them to acknowledge that they that they heard it. So it's always like, a, can I please have a yes, mom? Mm. And then if they can be respectful and say 
yes, mom, can I finish this book? Versus I'm not done with my, you know, like I'm just, I'm trying to train them in a respectful way so that we, it's more of a conversation instead of this law driven all the way, right away, perfectly every day. Like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to have more grace in the conversations. It's like the example that you just gave with Sally. It's like, go wash your hands versus I love your beautiful hands. Let's go get them clean. Mm. And so, because I want to, I want them, I want them to be respectful. That is my biggest goal, a respectful response, a respectful man. And I try to be reasonable, not so hardcore law driven, but to be reasonable. And, and I need to think about what am I asking of them? And am I being reasonable um, and fair? I mean, one of the only, you know, one of the two commandments in the new Testament, one of the only two about parenting is parents don't come down hard on your kids. unless you crush their spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I don't want to crush their spirits in the way I communicate with them or demand things of them. Um, But I want to raise them to be respectful, God-fearing men. And so I have to think about that. Of course, it's different with a two-year-old and seven-year-old. I mean, essentially, in two-year-old, you're just keeping them alive, right? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yes. Like the stop and start. Don't touch that. Go over here. Like your two-year-olds, you're kind of just more of that keeping them alive, trying to feed them and get them to sleep kind of stuff. But Honestly, I do believe this. I, and I share this when I talk to mops groups where there's a lot of moms with young kids, which is it's never too early to start practicing the language, to start practicing the voice. You know, I think we, we, um, we can get ourselves into the habit of speaking in a certain way or, or, or infusing grace into a conversation. Like, you know, going back to what you asked about, you know, when, when kids hit each other um, or do things and you have to discipline or get involved. I think the last... The biggest thing we have to be asking ourselves, and again, I think you could do this with a two-year-old, even though they're not going to get it because it's so great to just learn how to communicate within this way, is I try to have all of our conversations um, be, how do I weave in what Jesus has already done into this conversation, right? Instead of always making it about good behavior, how can I make these conversations be about the good news? Mm. So yes, these are the things that you have to do moving forward, but let's not forget, this is why Jesus... (laughs) was kind to every, Jesus, you know, was kind to everybody because he knew we couldn't be, you know, this is why Jesus shared his life with us because he knew that ultimately we wouldn't want to share our toys with each other. I mean, there's these very simple ways that we can kind of weave in the good news of what Jesus has already done for us while also teaching our kids what we want them to do. It's like a, one of the, I read, give them grace too. And I'm a huge fan of Elise and Jessica. And I think one of my biggest takeaways was this idea of we're always talking about what would Jesus do, mm. right? It was like that big craze for a yeah. while. What would <laughs> Jesus do, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's a good question to ask, right? I want to, I want to, Jesus is my example. I want to live and walk just as he did. But before he is my example, he is my savior. Mm. And so before we ask, what would Jesus do? The question is, what did Jesus do? Yeah. yeah. Right. And so how do we teach our kids? How do we how do we, I mean, what a gift to give them, right? When they're young to train them and to teach them how to think about everything in their life in light of Jesus Christ. I mean, what, what a profound gift. Cause you're, like you said, we have to get out of the way and we're not always going to be there. So how do we use our training to be less about the good behavior and more about the good news so that they kind of process everything in light of what did Jesus do? Not just what would Jesus do? I mean, could you imagine if we raise a generation of kids who's that was their that was their starting place. Yeah, right. So it's it's yeah, that's great. And I think that one of the keys in your approach is that you're maintaining that relationship. You're not making it me against you. 
um, because I'm my goal is to make you behave well. You're making it, you know, we're on this team together. Absolutely. And and we are all included in that all have sinned and we were all saved and we're all on that side. And if, if any of us was perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. And so, you know. Thank goodness we make mistakes so that Jesus had to come and save us because, um, you know, I love him and I love all that he did for me and that God came down to be, especially this time of year, you know, God came down. He yeah. left heaven, which is perfect. <laughs> if we want to talk about perfect. Yeah. Um, to be with He gave us. up everything. Yeah. And be messy. And, and not that he was sinful, but he still took on flesh, which is messy. And so, and had to be in this earth where there's temptation and, and yuck and and betrayal and he experienced all that because of his love. Yeah. And I even, even at a two year old level. So my, you know, I think by the fourth time I've, um, it's less personal with the tantrums. (laughs) Like the first child, it was so personal. Why are you throwing a tantrum? I'm giving you everything you want. Why are you throwing a tantrum at me? Right. At me. It's personal. Yes. Yes. And now I'm like kind of amused by it. And I just like, remember we're on the same team remember we're on the same team and he's like okay and he melts into my arms because it's not a me versus him like I know you're frustrated because you still need me but you want to do your own thing that independence is creeping up but you can't do everything on your own you can't cut with scissors yet you can't you know get your cheese open by yourself and so you're mad but we're on the same team and I will help you but continually reminding our kids that this is a journey together and I think is part of that grace too. I love that. There's a, um, Paul Tripp has a quote, um, parenting is a gracious rescue. Mm. And I love kind of the visual that that creates, because for me, what that helped me kind of think about is I want to be coming alongside my kids instead of down on my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's another depiction or, you know, another um, differentiated between grace and shame. Shame comes down on you mm. and grace comes beside you. Now, obviously, I know you and I are both saying it doesn't mean that we don't establish our authority and expect obedience and all yeah. of those things, right? It's, right? it's a willingness to come alongside them in the message of, um, I need Jesus too. Mm. And I know why you have temper tantrums because you know what? Mommy hasn't too. They just look a little different. Mm. Uh, but we are both sinners saved by grace and we are also beloved children of God. And so when we can kind of communicate with our kids about their sin and a coming alongside versus the coming down on, which is not about the, you know, the authority, but just identifying with them and their weakness, because the more we are willing as parents to be honest about our brokenness, to be honest about our weakness, to be honest about our own need for Jesus the more our kids are empowered to do that. Mm. I mean, that's that was one of the most significant changes that has occurred in our family over the last couple of years. It is, it is mind-blowing the way my boys are willing to honestly say, and I know when they're faking it, yeah. to honestly say, I'm really sorry. Will you mm. forgive me? Mm. And my husband is actually the one who modeled that for me. I came into our marriage um, from a hard place in a, in a place where I was, you know, not wanting to say, I'm sorry a lot. Mm. And he just taught me how to be willing to say, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. He, Mm. he models such grace in that way. And so when we can do that in our marriage and we can do that with them, when I get it wrong, like, I'm really sorry. I'm not being the mom I want to be for you this morning. I am, you know, for whatever reason, no excuse. And I'm just, will you forgive me? Can we start that over? I need Jesus. Let's pray right now and ask him to help us. So when we do that, there's such an invitation to our kids to 
<coughs> sorry, mm-hmm. um, to do the same when they see us doing it. There's no fear uh, and shame in admitting you're wrong when your parents are already doing it. It's, it's really amazing because we're going to mess up a lot. But the, the more important part is, are we willing to say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And it's and, and that kind of willingness to, to ask for and receive forgiveness only flows out of, you know, first recognizing the forgiveness that flows for us out of Jesus Christ. So good. It's really great. And if people struggle with the whole authority walking alongside, you see that all over the Bible, you know. God is constantly saying, I am with you. I go before you. I go behind you. I'm with you. Um, He sends Jesus to come alongside us. And yet he is God. He is the creator. He is both. So I think think you can be firm and not harsh. I think you can walk with and still carry authority. And I almost feel like my boys respect me more on the days when I am gracious than on the days when I am shameful. I feel like I lose their respect. (laughs) And I lose authority when I – and when I try to – Try to take it, you know. I feel like the more grace I give, the more they were, the, the easier the. It's almost like the authority thing in our in our home has been kind of. It's just become a non-issue. Yeah. Like, yeah. We know we know moms and mom and dad are in charge. We know that ultimately we all submit to God. Yeah. Um, but if we can help our kids understand that our authority and, and the decisions that we make and the things that we do come from a place of God, you know, obey your mother and father, and I'm going to require that of you. But I'm also going to be real honest with you about my need for Jesus. And if I can, the more grace I I can create in our relationship, the more they, honestly, I believe this. I think the more they want to respect me, the more they want to obey me. Because think about that in our relationship with God, right? The more we think about his love for us and his unconditional acceptance of us on our worst days, does that make you want to run from him or does that make you want to run back to him? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think some people think of the Old Testament God as being so shameful and judgmental and killing people, but I think that they miss a cultural thing that all the gods were awful back then. Like yeah. our God was the only God who showed love and who who was a two-directional God. Like the other gods, it was all um, sacrifices towards them and then condemnation down. There was no reciprocal love whatsoever. So I think— um, I think that you can sometimes get confused with the Old Testament God and think, oh, that was so harsh. How could he be so harsh? I, I can't love that God. I'm just going to stick with the New Testament God and right. kind of miss <laughs> the, G- the, Jesus, the God. Jesus version and the Holy Spirit <laughs> version with the love, joy, peace, patience and not realize the context of that that God was actually, actually a lot more gracious and merciful. I mean, he wanted to get rid of all the Israelites and Moses was like, please don't. <laughs> Right. He says, okay, all right, I won't. You know, how many times did he remove his hand from just saying, forget the whole thing, forget the whole thing. And yet so. I love that he's a God of justice. Yeah. You know, like, would yeah. we not want to be worshiping a God who's a God of justice, who wants yeah. to see justice done, right? Yeah. And so there's this, he is just and he will see justice done. And yet there's also this, and now I'm going to give you my son, Jesus. And mm. it's just, and it's really, it's an unfathomable, it's an unfathomable gift that, he's given to us. And I really think it's that message that's going to melt our kids' hearts. That's going to, that's what's going to make our kids want to know and love Jesus. And out of that knowing and loving will flow all of these other things that we work so hard to produce in their lives. I think that's the other really important piece of parenting a wholehearted child is, you know, holiness is not this destination that we reach. Holiness is the person of Jesus Christ inside of us Mm. producing the fruit of the spirit in our Mm. life. Yeah. And so 
I think sometimes we can get caught up. I know I was very caught up in kind of producing the fruit of the spirit in my kids' lives, like right out of the gate. How am I going to make kids who are, you know, love, joy, peace, you know. Self-control, right? Be self-controlled, boys. How am I going to produce fruit of the spirit trees? Yeah. And, and, and what, and what God had revealed to me in my own life and now infuses my parenting is, Jeannie, you can't, you can't even make yourself more self-controlled. How are you Mm going to make your kids that way? This is, this is all about me in you producing myself through you. And so it's about, it's about, (laughs) it's just about you knowing and loving me and allowing me to manifest my life through you. And, and it's the same with our kids. And so as they grow in relationship and friendship as Jesus, you know, uh, becomes more real and more present in their lives. You know, that stuff is the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of Jeannie. It's not the fruit of Heather. It's the fruit of the spirit. And so it's easy to get caught up in like, trying to produce these virtues and character traits in our kids. And that's all good and important. We have to teach them what those are and, and what they look like and how to live that out. But I want parents to not feel so burdened by that yeah. because the reality is the more Jesus we give them and the more good news we give them and the more Jesus lives and reigns inside of them. Um, like I say, you know, the, the friendship precedes the fruit. And I have to remember that when I parent their friendship with Jesus is going to be what's going to produce the fruit of Jesus in their life. And so I just want them to fall in love with Jesus because everything good and wonderful that will happen and come out of them is going to be a result of a personal, vibrant friendship relationship with Jesus. So good. Awesome. I I have to, I'm preaching to myself today, Heather. You know, I need to hear it. Yes, I love it. I need it. to hear it. I forget it every day. I forget it. I well, need to be reminded. And we'll just, we'll just, you know, keep this podcast on repeat, and we can listen to it as many times as we need to. It's so great, Jeannie. I'm just thankful for your heart and um, the giftedness God gave you to weave these words when you didn't think you'd be writing this book that He gave those to you and um, to share with us, and for all the moms listening who just needed to be reminded of the gospel and of grace and to be released of the burden um, to be it all and to do it all for our kids, that you can just love your children today and direct their hearts to Jesus um, in a kind and gracious way. So thank you so much, Jeannie, for being with us. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Talk to you soon. So awesome. Just love her. I'm so thankful to have gotten to meet her and just to have her speak truth over me. I have needed to hear it again when I was editing this episode. Um, ah, so great. And I, I wanted, I hadn't taken any time to thank y'all for your reviews that you've left over on iTunes. They are helping. People are finding the podcast. I had a gal from the UK message me that she just found the podcast. So thank you. Um, I'm going to do a couple shout outs here. We've got, uh, a Liz Crave Crevillian. She loves listening to the intro, and I'm, I know I changed the music, but I kept the words because of Elizabeth's, I think that's probably her name, Elizabeth's uh, review. And so thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoy it. Need words. Thank you for your little review. I'm so glad that it is exactly what you've been looking for. And Amy Grable, you are such an encourager. Thank you for your sweet note. Um, Y'all should check out Amy Wrights. Also, she has lots of boys. Then we have Luca Gomez's mom. Um, I'm so glad that it is ministering you. That is my goal. And the guests that are on here, they're just fabulous. I mean, it's so great to be able to give them a place to share all that God's teaching them. 
So I'm glad you're enjoying it. And then Jill in Illinois, I'm thankful that this uh, these podcasts have been a blessing to you. And this stage with little needy children, I get it. Um, and coming out of a two-year spiritual desert, man, whew, I hope that you are just getting the living water that you are finding time to be in God's word. And really, I just hope we all make that a priority. Um, that, that these podcasts wouldn't be the only time that you're hearing from God that you are taking, whether it's one verse a day. I just encourage you, go read one verse after you stop listening to this podcast. Open your Bible, just just pick a verse, and God will speak to you through it. So thank you all for your reviews. If you'd like to leave one, go to godcentermom.com forward slash review, and um, I just would appreciate it. It just helps get the word out so other moms can be encouraged, those that are weary, those that are tired, those that are really maybe also in a spiritual desert. So thank you so much, all you ladies, for leaving your kind reviews. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit